this is Dr. Hudson, and today we will be talking with Mr. Robert Ellington. And Mr. Ellington is a success coach at Halos in Charleston, South Carolina. And Halos is a nonprofit organization dedicated to assisting kinship care families. And um, welcome, Mr. Ellington. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Let's start a little bit with definition. What exactly is a kinship care family? Kinship care family, it's the easiest way for me to explain it is um, sometimes things happen where grandparents end up raising children, aunties may end up raising children, uncles, siblings, family, friends. Mm. When that happens, that's a kinship care family. So um, any other relative or family friend, somebody other than the biological parent raising a child Mm -hmm. is kinship. That's kin. Okay. All right. And so why is it important to um, capture this particular um, population? Because they seem... From what we have seen, they are the most underserved, one of the most underserved populations. You have grandparents who, for whatever reason, sometimes it could be, um, you know, the parents may have some drug addiction. The Mm -hmm. parents may have some emotional issues, mental issues. They're they're just absent. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've passed away. So grandparents may take in children. So you may have a grandmom who's by herself. She's on a fixed income. Now she has two young children. And she hasn't raised children in 30 years. Mm. And so now she's dealing with all of the things that come along with having a child in elementary school or sometimes a toddler or sometimes a high school kid. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging for that for that population. And um, sometimes they just they don't receive the benefits that a foster parent would. Mm. You know, a foster parent gets a stipend. They get money to help them raise children and for expenses. But grandma it's nothing. Grandma is just kind of given the children and said, okay, good luck. And this happens with agencies, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that do what they call diversion. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that population suffers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. when, when you're looking at this population, um, mm-hmm. how, how does the need or um, the red flag, if you will, go up that, mm-hmm. that assistance is needed? How does that manifest? What does that look like? um, It's various ways. Sometimes people self, you know, they they may do a Mm self-referral because they know about our organization. But most of the time, they'll hear about us through another agency. So an agency may see something going on. There might be some uh, issues going on in a home. Mm -hmm. And so children may be removed and um, placed with a grandparent or a relative or somebody Mm -hmm. else. And Mm -hmm. then that agency then tells us, you know, then tells us about a particular family and refers them to us. And so um, that's how they usually find out. And what we address in a lot of issues, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, what we call ACEs, which would be adverse childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. And people, um, you know, drug abuse, domestic violence, stress of poverty, poverty, uh, physical, sexual abuse, mental illness, incarceration, all those things, of course, adversely affect children. Right. And so us helping, assisting the people that are their caregivers um, helps alleviate some of that or deal with some of that or address it. Mm-hmm. And so we provide all kinds of different supports. Okay. And in, in, in looking 
a little deeper into that, mm-hmm. what are some of the things or how does it manifest within the children within the school? What are some things that you may have heard of or maybe even seen in the children, the school age children? Um, we, oh goodness, um, we have children who have dealt with um, all of the things I listed as right. far as ACEs, right. um, domestic violence, they've witnessed that. They've mm-hmm. seen violence in the street. Uh, mom or dad is incarcerated. There's mental illness. Mm-hmm. There's um, physical and sexual abuse. And trauma. We, we try to do our best to also help some of the caregivers understand that they need to be trauma-informed. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're trauma-informed, you're not... And, and the biggest obstacle for me sometimes working with uh, parents is you may have the old school parent, right? right. We all know what that means. Right? Yes. So <laughs> they have an old school mindset. So if they're not trauma-informed and in their mind, they think that they can deal with the children's trauma by creating more trauma. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's not the answer. And so having to talk to them about that in, in uh, different parenting styles and saying, okay, mm. you know, this is probably why we're here. Let's, right. Right. let's try to work on not, you know, perpetuating that same kind of uh, attitude right. about raising children. So mm-hmm. that's that's the trickiest part. And I think a lot of times, especially like with what you said, the old school parenting style, they see it mm-hmm. as defiance. They see it as yes. they could do it. They're just not. Or, right. you know, um, disobedience, especially in the South when you're not you know, minding the teacher, if you're not doing yes. what I say, then, yes. um, you know, like you said, if their only skill set is a traumatic type of punishment, then that's all uh-huh. they know. And That's all they know. So looking at that, what type of strategies or techniques or what type of counseling do, um, do you guys offer to these parents? We, uh, we offer... Uh, we have uh, support groups. We have uh, something called PASTA. It's called Parenting a Second Time Around. Oh, neat. For, <laughs> for grandparents and others who haven't, you know, who haven't parented in a while. Right. And so now they're kind of getting back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have what we call ARC Reflections, which is uh, something that we do to help uh, people become more trauma-informed and helping them understand a little bit of, we, we try to do, not to get too deep, but we talk about the brain and mm-hmm. the amygdala mm-hmm. and, and impulses and, and how uh, children's brains are wired and, you mm-hmm. know, and how we need to, how caregivers should step back sometimes yes. and not take it personally. Because what happens is you may have a child who lashes out. And then the grandmom or granddad is like, oh, why are they doing that to me? They're being right. disrespectful. Right. And they, and it's like, no, no, this has really nothing to do with you. Absolutely. This has to do with what they're dealing with and the trauma that they've encountered and how they're processing it. Right. And you are doing certain things or saying certain things that remind them of those things. And so... You know, you have to be mindful of the words you use, the, you know, the tone, and if you're yelling. And and I think those types of groups and support groups for caregivers where they can support each other. Because I've had uh, grandparents who've been there who said, I didn't even know other people were really going through this. Yes. With mm-hmm. me, you know, mm-hmm. and to have that kind of support to say, oh, okay. I know I see these people that are from all walks of life. This isn't just 
right. um, people below the poverty line. These are well-to-do people, working class people, retired mm-hmm. people, and they're all dealing with the same sort of thing. Right. And so... like you you brought up like the the dad might or you know mother or whomever might be in and out so learning how to have the child understand that well in this environment there's a different set of rules you know and and understanding that when you get this child they were used to something different and and having to have that patience to um, move them to this new way of thinking, this new way of interacting with the world and with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That's it. So if if I were a, a, a grandparent or an aunt uh-huh. who was coming to a group, um, uh-huh. what are some of the techniques or strategies I might hear to help me deal with this new um, family dynamic? Ooh, that was a, that's a doozy, Miss Hudson. <laughs> 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 um, we have people there mm-hmm. who can give them specific uh, strategies for those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's several. Um, uh, I know that when we do the um, the um, pasta, which is parenting a second time around, right? Um, one of the things we uh, we talk about. Uh, it's like the grandparents dealing with, or other relatives, aunties, uncles, mm-hmm. dealing with their own feelings, realistic feelings about. Yes. But sometimes there's guilt. Yes. There's resentment. Mm-hmm. There's all these things that that people are so concerned with what it looks like, right? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. should, I, I'm supposed to do this because I'm supposed to do this. Right. But how do you really feel about this? Like, yes. we understand that you feel compelled to do this and be a caregiver, but how do you truly feel? And that's fine. It's okay for you to be angry that you don't get to be Meemaw. Right. And now you have to be the disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. You can't just give them candy and and send them away. Right. You have to really deal with it on a daily basis, and it's tiring. So, mm-hmm. um, self care. We we talk yes. about self care, and we, we we talk about how important that is. Um, 
there's all there's so many different right. ways to deal with uh, you know as far as there's not a one size fits all for children right. because you know what works for one is not going to necessarily work for the other based mm-hmm. on personality types and you know we talk to them about avoiding the comparing of oh you're just like your oh yeah you know, you're just like your dad <laughs> you're just like your mama right. your mom was hard headed you mm-hmm. you know and they're re they're replaying they're doing the same thing and there's also the guilt of well maybe if I was a better parent. I wouldn't have to be dealing with these mm. grandkids living in mm. my home, mm. right? So mm-hmm. let's let's talk about that and 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 not feeling not beating yourself up, right? For you know, and sometimes they have to have something to prove because they feel like, well, maybe I didn't do it right the first time, so let me make sure that I make I don't do what I did right. the first time so that I get it right this time, right? You know. Um, yeah. And I think, That's a doozy. yes, and mm. going back to what you said earlier, just taking a step back and, and being in that environment with a group of other people, it's like, I'm not alone. Like, yes, letting them right. know that what you're feeling is normal, um, yes. you know, and so you're you're not alone, you're not some unique case. These uh-huh. are These are real emotions that happen when people go through this. Um, And one of the major things that you touched on is not re-traumatizing that that child. Mm. Um, Learning a new way of going forward is is very important. And hearing the child. A lot of times, you know, with everything that's going on, just as they have all these feelings inside and maybe a bit apprehensive or scared about sharing them because... What if they're quote unquote wrong? What if I'm the only one who thinks that creating that safe space for that child to be able to share and feel safe in that environment to be able to make a paradigm shift? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I I have I've worked with uh, caregivers who have taken children in who've been through the ringer. Okay, Mm -hmm. They've, they've dealt with all kinds of serious trauma and. I have a caregiver who has a hard time listening mm. to the children express, you know, what went when what went on right. in the other environment, right? And right. and it's not because the caregiver doesn't care. It's right. not because the care it's just overwhelming right. for the caregiver. Right. And so but the caregiver feels guilty because the caregiver can't sit there and listen without mm. reacting out of anger or crying mm-hmm. or me, and it's like it's okay to cry it's right fine. right you know it's all right to right. cry but it's like it, the, the caregiver shuts down like i can't this is too much mm-hmm. and so working with the caregiver to get them to understand okay that they, they feel safe mm-hmm. where they are now they mm-hmm. want to talk to you and so when they're going when they're getting counseling and therapy mm-hmm. you gotta be there for them it's okay for you to cry there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that mm-hmm. and it's and so getting them to the, and, and we're talking about like an old school mindset where right. it's like i'm not supposed to break down and right I'm supposed to or even so. the self-care aspect of it where yes. it might be triggering something in you and you right. might need to seek other resources to help exactly. you be able to deal yes. with your own pain and ultimately mm-hmm. help you be able to help, you know, the child that you are um, entrusted with 
help them deal with what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Because a lot of things get get kind of, you know, they get suppressed and repressed. Right. They don't really, and then something may happen with the niece or the nephew, and they're like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I can completely relate to that because that happened to me. Right. And they have have never really confronted it. Right. It's like, but I don't want to deal with it. So. (laughs) Right. Yes. Right. See it all the time. Yes. And my job as a quote-unquote success coach Mm -hmm. is to, um, it's more of an intensive case management. So uh, if if when somebody comes to Halos and says, hey, you know, I got this going on. I might have, you know, I got issues with paying off uh, the the utilities or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in debt and I need to, okay, after the navigation part, when, Mm -hmm. when, Halos lines them up with resources that may help them with the utilities and mm-hmm. kind of get them diapers or whatever they may need. Right. Some some people need a little bit more beyond that. They may need somebody to just kind of hang out with them mm-hmm. a couple times a month mm-hmm. to just kind of help them um, plan out. Like, okay, well, well, let's do some goal setting, right? Mm-hmm. Personal goals. Mm-hmm. The goal could have. Sometimes the goal has nothing to do with the children. Sometimes Absolutely. Sometimes the goal is about to just them and mm-hmm. saying you know i want to get my ged or i want to mm-hmm. i want to finish college because i dropped out and right. i want to you know or even wanna, time management like time i've got this right. new person i've got to account for right yeah how do i make my life seem semi-normal right again if, you know because now i have this other person with a whole set of other things that mm-hmm. i haven't had to deal with before and yes. so um so that's what the success coach part is. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's let's just come up with some plans, and and I'm not the person coming up with them. Like I told I told people all the time, you are the expert on you. So mm-hmm. I can only help you. I can kind of guide and say, oh well, let's let's figure out what you know. Let's let's do some uh, levels of importance and what what's more you know what's the most pressing thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell them what their goals are. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, reframing this for um, our military families, I'm just thinking about, you know, as a school counselor, we need to be aware of um, these types of situations because there are many times when an aunt or an uncle or, um, you know, a a grandparent has taken in a family member. And I think that we need to be cognizant of this extra uh, facet that might be in play here. And I I don't think it's something we really think about. It's like, you know, oh, well, it's the guardian. It's the parent. But let's think about the fact when they are the guardian, when they are the aunt, the uncle, the grandparent. Um, And we don't have halos, but we do have um, family advocacy uh, support systems. We do have MFLAC. We do have different resources that we might just want to remember um, to offer yes. to these um, families who are not yes. the quote-unquote traditional family where That's kinship right. comes into play because mm-hmm. there are so many other plates that are, you know, twirling around when you yes. add this extra, you know, um, piece where here's a new family member that I'm going to take mm-hmm. care of, like you said, out of honor, honor, out of, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. But let's think about taking care of you so that you can effectively take care of this new, you know, immediate member of your family. Yes. 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 And we see we have families who have 
uh, a parent that's uh, that's away um, in the military. Yes. Right? So so now mom, you know, now grandmom is taking care of right. the child. Right. And so, it, you know, there's all kinds of various, you know, we have incarcerated parents. We have, you know, parents that are unfortunately deceased. We have right. all kinds of different uh, scenarios. And I know I mentioned adverse childhood experiences. What I wanted mm-hmm. to mention was... Um, we see kinship care as a positive childhood experience. Yes. Right? So we you know what. So people feel like um, uh, being able to talk to their parents about their feelings mm-hmm. or, or the family about feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they feel like their family stood by them during difficult times and right. participating in community traditions. Yes. Uh, we feel like kinship care um, works uh, best mm-hmm. because. Um, Let's say you know you're in a foster care situation, and and, and we're not we're not downing foster care right. because you know there's some phenomenal foster care parents, yes, uh, foster parents. But we feel like okay, if you if you had to choose and say okay, let's find a, a, a some place for this child, and it just happens, it just so happens that there's another family member mm-hmm. or a very close family. Friend. It could be a godparent, right, you know, anybody. right. Those traditions that that child that that family has yes. would still be that child would have that connection to those traditions. Now, of course, a child can pick up new traditions in a uh-huh. new family, yes. but but there's that inherent connection. Yes, yes, there's an inherent connection. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you uh, you know if if something were to happen to my parents, I know that I have. Um, an auntie mm-hmm. who isn't actually my auntie, but she's a very close friend of my mother's. Absolutely. If something were to happen to us when we were children, I know that she would have continued, mm-hmm. you know, give us what we needed. Yes, and that's a very important point because there are times, and I can think back of several scenarios where um, a parent or parents were deployed. And so the child is staying with a very close family member within that military community. And so, you know, you might already have children, but now you have an added person or persons (laughs) to take care of. So it is definitely relevant to our community and something that we need to be cognizant of and making sure that we offer those services, again, to make sure that the caregiver and the people who are and the students who are in the care of these people are taken care of. Definitely. Definitely. Well, this has been a very wonderful talk, Mr. Ellington. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right.